anyone here uh, go out of town for New Year's? Anyone here go out of town for New Year's? Raise your hand if you stayed up to midnight on New Year's. Anyone here? Whoa! It's a lot of hands. Uh, you know, this has nothing to do with my message this morning, but I read about how Boudreaux and Thibodeau c- celebrated their New Year's. Figured I'd share this with you. Um, uh, Boudreaux uh, was overheard saying to Thibodeau, when the world comes to an end... I want to be right here in Louisiana. And uh, someone asked him why, and he said, well, in Louisiana, everything happens 20 years later than the rest of the world. (laughs) A little bit later, Thibodeau went up to Boudreaux and said, I don't know what it is, you know, everywhere I touch on my body, it hurts, my shoulder hurts, my knee hurts, my stomach hurts, everything hurts. And um, uh, Thibodeau walked up to him and Give me your hand. Your finger's broke. (laughs) All right, all right, all right, all right. The first service didn't really care for that one either. Okay. All right. So the the title of our our new series uh, that we're starting today is called Committed in 2016. Committed in 2016. Many of you guys have heard uh, the story about how um, that both uh, the chicken and the egg were contributing to breakfast, and and the the chicken contributed to breakfast, but the pig was committed to breakfast. Are you with me? The pig is all in on this one. Uh, and and uh, I want to talk about being fully committed. Look at the person next to you and say, you look like a good pig. <laughs> We're fully committed. We are all in for 2016. And, uh, and why am I talking about being fully committed? Because God gets involved in the lives that are fully committed committed to him. He's, God gets involved in those lives. You know, it's, it's a very fascinating thing when, when people back up and they say, where is God? What's going on with God? Where is he? What, what's he doing? A lot of times a, a natural disaster will take place somewhere in the world. And uh, CNN or Fox News will bring a, a spiritual leader like Joel Osteen or T.D. Jakes on TV, and they'll ask him, where, where is God? Um, where, where was he when this happened? And they usually give some smart, intelligent answer, unlike something I would say. Let me tell you what I would say. Can you turn off the camera for a minute, please? <laughs> just, just kidding. This, this is what I would say. This is what I would say. Uh, I, this, this, this is what I would like to believe I would say. When those lights come on, I don't know, I might choke, but this is what I would like to believe I would say. I would say, you guys, you, you, you want God involved in our country? You want him to stop the, the wind and the waves? You want him to be involved? Uh, but but I, I don't understand. I'm completely confused because you don't want him involved in our schools you don't want praying. You don't want the Ten Commandments on the walls. You don't want Christians talking about God or Jesus. It puts you out. You, you want statues taken down around the country that represents Christianity. I'm completely confused. Do you want them in or do you want them out? 
I'm confused. Because if you say you want them out, 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 and you get mad at every single football player that gets down on one knee, if you want them out, you can't, you want it, you want everything representing the Bible taken off of uh, the Supreme Court walls. You want it all out, but now you want to know where is he? I'm completely confused here. I'm completely confused. Do you want him in or do you want him out? Is it fun to just say, I want him out, I don't believe uh, rats about it, but then when something bad happens, you go, where is he? I'm completely confused because here's the thing. God gets involved in the lives that are committed to him. And that's on a macro standpoint. On a micro standpoint, I hope we all apply that to our personal lives. It is not fair to back up and go, where is God? When we are not committed to him, God gets involved in the lives that are committed to him. And my message to you this morning is, who cares about 2015, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10? Forget all of that. Let's talk about 2016 and let's discuss how committed are we going to be from this moment forward. Let's allow 2016 to be the most committed we have ever been. We're not going to be perfect, but we are going to be pursuing. Can someone say, I'm into that? I'm in, I'm in. In John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says this, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It, apart from me, you can do nothing. I've never seen a life. I've never seen a life that isn't pursuing Jesus that I wish I had. Never. Ever. The, the lives that I see in Hollywood, I see the, the, their friends jumping off of buildings, committing suicide. The lives that are most fulfilled are the lives that are attached to the vine. The lives that are attached to the vine. When I look around and I see things happening in your life, and I hear your testimonies and your comments, and you say, God has blessed me, I back up and I say, yes, he has, because you stayed connected to the vine. The Bible says he is faithful to the faithful. He is faithful to the faithful. Has God been faithful to anybody in this room? Can you just wave at me? He's faithful to the faithful. You say, well, I'm incredibly inconsistent. Where's your heart at? Has your heart been faithful? Has your heart, has your affection been faithful? Because our flesh can't be trusted. It makes mistakes all the time. But your heart stays faithful. In uh, the beginning of December, I started getting the end year reports and then we met with our business team about um, towards the end of, of December and we sat down and we looked and we saw that financially speaking, our church had a really good year last year. And I want to just tell you that I honor all of you, all of your faithfulness for that. We had a strong financial year um, numerically as attendance wise. Uh, the graph just just goes up. Um, we looked at the youth department, the children's department. Uh, 2015 was just a great year for Celebration Church. But it's interesting. Uh, absolutely. You can put your hands together for that. Absolutely. But it was interesting because while Allie and I uh, were on a, a, a vacation, um, I, I was laying in bed and I thought to myself, oh my gosh, we got to do this all over again. January 1st is coming. And I just started thinking about the heavy lifting. And I started thinking about the calendar and the events. And I just, oh, 
That's a lot of work. Has anyone here thought about 2016 and you're like, oh, Jesus. Are you with me? Everyone's like, happy new year. And you're like, are you with me? Well, I, I just felt myself just kind of my heart just kind of sinking like, oh, I mean, yeah, we had a great year, but gosh. Um, and there's always like one little thing, one little toggle that's looming from 2015 that you got to bring into 2016 with you. You wish you could have cut that and let that and, and stayed in 2015, but it's kind of hanging there. Are you with me? You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, that's got to come with me. Oh my gosh. It, and I just felt the spirit of the Lord tell me that this year can be a year where there's less effort and more results less effort and more results. Here's a scripture for you to hang on to. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 30, it says that my yoke, the Lord's yoke is easy and his burden is light. The Lord's plans for you is for you to prosper. He has good things in store for you. And if all of these good things are in store for you that he has for you, when we are pursuing those things the way he wants us to, that burden and that yoke is light. Can I just say, he wants you to do good at your job. If you're in sales, he wants you to close a lot of sales. If you're, uh, if you're in the oil business, he wants the barrel of oil to come out of the basement. If you're in the housing department, in the housing uh, 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 industry, he wants neighborhoods to continue to go up at a fast rate. If you're in the highway repair business, you already know you got good job security. I don't need to talk to you. <laughs> The three things you can always count on is death, taxes, and highway repair. Um, but, uh, but the Lord wants you to know that he wants those things to happen, but he doesn't want us to get to December 31st crawling our way there. He wants you to know that you can put in less effort and get more results, but we've got to be committed to him because when we're committed to him, he gets involved with us. When we're committed to him, he gets involved with us. And it's my hope that we raise the bar of commitment, that we raise the standards. And so I want to talk about a few of those things. I want to talk about how it, God is just like the sun, that just like the sun radiates heat, God radiates goodness. In James chapter 1 verse 17, it says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Every single thing that's good came from God. Everything that you've ever had that's good came from God. God has given us good things that we didn't even ask for. That nice shirt that you're wearing, that nice blouse that you're wearing, did you get on your hands and knees and play, oh God, I want this blouse? I sincerely doubt it. He knew that you were going to want that blouse. He knew you were going to want that shirt. He made arrangements for it and you didn't even notice it when it came into your closet because you got so much clothes. He gives us things. How many of you have that box on your wall that when you get a little hot in the house you can just walk up to it and go ah, do you have one of those boxes isn't that nice how many of you guys have one of those chairs that you can sit on like this and and if you just put your foot on this black thing you can go 60 miles an hour in that chair don't tell anyone but you can go a lot faster just someone told me uh you go a lot. God has blessed you. He's given you a, a job. And, for, and if you don't have a job, he can get you a job. You say, well, I don't like my car. I'm going to tell you something. Four wheels is better than two heels. 
Are you with me? And, and that's, that's a sentence. Did, did I rush it, Allie? Did I say it good? I'm practicing it because my daughter's 12, right? And, and, and she just picked out a Ferrari for her 16th birthday. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, four heels, I'm practicing that little sentence right there. But we got to get good at giving God the credit. Thank you, God, for everything that you have. You are the branches. Every single good thing is from heaven. Lord, I thank you. We got to give him the credit. And the more credit we give him, the more we realize that if we just stay invested, if we just stay committed, there is way more to come. You know, there are some people that won't give credit to God for anything. And it's very funny. I recently read about a guy who was driving around the parking lot looking for a parking space. And he told the Lord, God, if you just give me a parking space, I promise I'll go to church for the rest of my life. I won't miss a Sunday. Just give me a parking space. As soon as he said that, a car pulled out right in front of him. A parking space just appeared. And he said, God, never mind. One just opened up. <laughs> and he pulled in. I don't know if that story is real. It's probably not, but it is funny, isn't it? But that's the reality. There are so many people that just doesn't give God credit for anything. I want to challenge us that the more committed we are, the more involved God gets. There's a guy in the Bible. His name is Daniel. Daniel was a Jew. He lived in Jerusalem. And there was a king, a neighboring king, that hated Jews. He invaded Jerusalem, and he took all the Jews as his hostages, as his prisoners. And he looked at the finest young teenage men, the ones that were the most brilliant, the smartest, the most intelligent. The Bible says, without blemish, which means they were incredibly good-looking. He got all of these young men, and he began to do some things with them. He said, I want to train you in our way. I want to educate you in our culture. So I'm going to change the way you dress. I'm going to separate you from your family. But the good news is, is you're going to get to live in my kingdom. And you're going to get to experience the same lifestyle as the rest of the people who live in my kingdom. He changed their name. He changed their look. He gave them haircuts. He changed everything about them. He began to teach them and mentor them. And Daniel, this young man Daniel, he was okay. He wasn't okay, but he was going along with all of it. He was going along with the fact that his family got pulled away from him. What choice did he have? He was going along with the fact that they changed his name. He was going along with the fact that he had got a haircut and they had to start looking like them and dressing like them. But there was one thing that he said, whoa, that's where I draw the line. They came to him and they said, we want you to eat the same delicacies as the king. We want you to have the same diet as the king. So it wasn't bad food. It was delicious food. But the problem was, is that Daniel had made a vow to the Lord, a personal vow, that over a period of time, he was going to devote himself completely to prayer and to fasting. What is fasting? Fasting is when you choose food, all of food, or particular foods, to refrain from those foods while you focus on prayer. So Daniel had done this. And he looked at him and he said, no, I'm not going to eat the delicacies. I've done everything that you've asked me to do, but I'm only eating vegetables. 
And they, they backed up and, and they said, look, we cannot permit this. And he says, let's just try it. Let me do it for 10 days and let's see what happens. After 10 days, they said that he was more muscular, stronger, and more fit than all of the rest of the young men. And it was very fascinating is that what we learn in that case study is that three things triggered right away. And when we look at other people who fasted in the Bible, the same three things triggered. What triggered for Daniel? Number one is that incense began to get sent to heaven. Anyone who fasts, you, me, David, even Jesus, when he fasted, incense gets sent to heaven right away. What is incense? You know exactly what incense is. Have you ever burnt a candle of incense or a stick of incense? And you, you, it changes the aroma. It changes the environment of the room. And the Bible says, uh, I believe it's in Exodus 20 or Numbers 20. It's slipping my mind. But when Moses came before God, he sacrificed these animals. And these animals, as their flesh began to burn, the Bible says that it was a sweet aroma before God. And all through the scriptures, all through the Old Testament, the Bible says that their sacrifice, the sacrifice of these flesh, the animals, it was a sweet aroma. When Jesus came, they stopped sacrificing animals. And they began to do it very different. They only fasted. And if you've ever fasted before, you can recognize that your flesh, your body is burning. It is sacrificing. I don't know. Raise your hand if you've ever fasted before. You, you've gone a period without eating. Uh, your body is, 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 is being sacrificed. And I just want you to know that while your body, your flesh is being sacrificed, it is a sweet aroma in the presence of God. He sees what you're doing. He sees that you're trying to take your flesh and push it down, make it as weak as possible, kill it if you possibly can, so that your spirit can get stronger. You know, I don't know what your goals in life are. I don't know what you want to do before you die. I don't know what you want people to say about you when you die. Let me just tell you what I would love for my life to be. I would love to be a person that when I look back on my life, that I lived my life giving aroma into the presence of God. That through the floor of heaven, there was aroma coming up. Every single person here, I just want you to know that there's an aroma that goes up every time you fast. Every time you fast, God smells this aroma. I would love to be a person. I don't know about you, but I would love to be a person that my entire life is full of sacrifice that gives an aroma to God, that God can look down and say, Frankie is sacrificing again. I can smell that sweet aroma. That's what happens. The second thing that takes place Anytime somebody begins fasting is their flesh. You see, we have your spirit over here and your flesh is over here. Anytime somebody fasts, your flesh 
gets weaker. What is your flesh? Your flesh is all the things that you desire to do that your spirit knows the Lord doesn't want you to do. Your flesh loves it, but your spirit knows it's not right. And so the stronger your flesh gets, the weaker your spirit gets. The weaker your flesh gets, the stronger your spirit gets. And when you go on a fast, you're constantly telling your body, shut up, you're not getting any food. Shut up, I'm not feeding you. You have been leading my life far too long. You make me want to do things that I know is wrong. I don't know about you, but there's hundreds of things in this world that I would love to do, that I would love to just throw my life into, especially when people cut me off on the highway. Can't stand it. I got a few thoughts that I'd like to share with them. Some of you are like, I'm not coming back to this church. Some of you are like, I just found the church I'm supposed to be a part of. There's a few thoughts. There's, a, there's these things that your body wants to do and you have an appetite for it and you like it. The problem is, is that God has a culture. He has a way that he does things. And it's our job to say, you are my king. You are my Lord. What is your culture? That's what I want to do. I want to like what you like and I want to hate what you hate. And that's a big issue in 2016. There's a lot of people that like what God likes. But there's not a lot of people who hate what God hates. And that's an issue. And when you begin to love things that you know God hates, we have a decision to make. Do we just say, well, I believe. Anytime somebody says, well, I believe, I can almost stop listening. Because I'm living my whole life according to the Bible. The whole life. You know, it's interesting. Everybody has faith in something. Everybody. You either have faith in God or you have faith in yourself. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you cannot see. If you don't believe in God, you're having faith and confidence in what you believe. And there's not enough evidence out there for somebody to say that they are absolutely sure. So you have faith in what you believe or you have faith in what the Bible says. But everybody has faith. So when your flesh gets strong, you have to decide what are you going to do. When you begin to fast, you take your flesh, whatever is fighting against you, and you weaken it. You push it down. It gets weak, 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 weak. You know, it's an interesting thing because a lot of times your spirit will want something, but your flesh is way too strong. Jesus looked at the disciples and he said, can you not pray one hour? He goes, your spirit is there, but your flesh is too strong. Here's the thing. Um, I, I, um, this past uh, week, um, we went on a family vacation, and it was probably about five or six months ago where uh, my father-in-law said that uh, one of the things that he really wants to do is he wants to go scuba diving with his son and with his daughter, my wife and my brother-in-law. Uh, so we decided we were going to make that happen. So we all went uh, scuba diving together, and so um, 
we're in this class trying to learn how to scuba dive. And, and uh, you got to learn a few sign language things to talk to each other because you can't talk under the ocean. And so, for example, this means I'm okay. This means we got to get to the top of the water so I can breathe oxygen now. That's what this means, okay? This means I'm uncomfortable. So when the class was over, I pulled the teacher aside and I said, what sign do I make if there is a 911 situation going on where there's something bad happening, where there is an emergency? And she goes, I said, no, no. <laughs> no, no. Uh, this is, I'm uncomfortable. I'm talking about when there is a problem. She goes, it's the same sign. I was like, okay, we got a problem. We got a problem. So we, we, we go in. We got to like fall off the boat backwards, which everyone's like, bye, bye, bye. And I'm like, one, two, one, two, one, two. So I get in, and right away, there's two instructors. The instructor comes up to me and goes, and I'm like, and my head goes down 12 inches. My ears start popping. I can't. She comes up. I said, my, my head, it was about to explode. She goes, no, no, your ears were beginning to pop. I said, no, 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 no. My head was beginning to explode. She goes, I think it was your ears. I said, no, no. She goes, pinch your nose, blow. It'll open up your ears. It's like you're on an airplane. I said, you're wrong, but I'll try it anyway. I'm pretty sure it was my head. So I go back down another 12 inches, <laughs> okay, go down, I can see the ground that we're going to, it's 15 feet down, and then you're supposed to go down to like 20, and down to 25, down to 30, down to 40, so we go down to 15 feet, I'm looking up at the water, I see my life, I see death, I see death, I see my life. I'm really excited about this, I, was, I actually had a GoPro, I was going to film it all, left the GoPro on the boat. Everybody's swimming around, swimming, swimming, swimming. <laughs> the lady looks at me and she goes, I went. <laughs> so she's, <laughs> I look over to see my wife. The only thing I see from my wife are two flippers. <laughs> she's leaving me. She's leaving me. She's going away. I look to my father-in-law. He's leaving me. I look to my brother. They're all leaving me. I'm standing there. Lady comes up. 
I see my air going. I look up. She's like. She starts unlaving this balloon. I'm a, she's putting a balloon up there because if you don't put a balloon up there, the boat will come and hit you in the head. Like, I see a balloon. So I'm going. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this is a bad story. I'm all prepared to come to Celebration Church to tell you that I found the Titanic. I'm freaking out. I want to come up. I don't care about the Titanic. I'm done being cool. I want to come up. I come up. I get on the boat. The girl tells me in her little funky accent, well, you know, we were only as deep as a swimming pool. Lotion. And I laid there for another 30 minutes. It got me a nice little tan. They have no tan because they were showing off at the bottom of the ocean. They come up. Oh, that was so awesome. That was so awesome. Did you see the fish? Did you see the glow? We went into a cave. I wanted to have those stories too. The problem was, is my, my flesh was just too strong. And can I just say that being committed to the Lord, it is a fight back and forth back and forth and we decide which one is going to be stronger you feed this one this one gets stronger that one gets weaker you push this one down that one gets stronger this one gets weaker three things happen when you fast number one is an aroma goes to heaven number two your flesh gets weaker number three your spirit gets stronger how does it get stronger number one is wisdom begins to kick into place if you study Jesus, before he did one thing in his ministry, he went on a fast. If you study the disciples in the book of Acts, before they made big decisions, they go on a fast. What happens when you fast? Your mind. You, the Bible says that he gives you witty inventions. Number two, after wisdom, is he begins to give you authority. There's, have you ever prayed prayers that didn't happen? Come on, somebody, don't lie. Be honest. My hand is up. They didn't happen. Can I just say that there's levels of authority in the kingdom? The disciples came up to Jesus and they said, we prayed for this guy and nothing happened. And Jesus said back to him, those kind of prayers only happen through fasting and praying. I don't know about you, but I want some more authority when I pray. When I pray, I want hell to tremble. I want hell to freak out. I want hell to fear my prayers, whether I'm in the car, whether I'm in the bathroom at a restaurant, whether I'm whispering it underneath my breath. I want hell to fear when I pray. If I begin praying in my head in the middle of a meeting, I want the atmosphere to change. I want minds to shift, 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 and change. And this is what happens when people fast. And then there's divine intervention that takes place. You know what divine intervention is? It's when God steps in. 
and begins to move. King Nebuchadnezzar um, told Daniel, he said, Daniel, uh, I'm not going to be the king forever. When I'm done being the king, Cyrus is going to be the king. Daniel, this is what I want you to do. I want you to mentor him, teach him, tutor him, impart into him so that when he takes the throne, he's ready. When Cyrus became the king, history, you can check your history books. You can Wikipedia it. They call him Cyrus the Great. Why do they call him Cyrus the Great? Because he was the first one to put together a type of declaration of independence. He put together something called the Cyrus Cylinder. And if you go to the United Nations today and you go to the second floor, you can see the Cyrus Cylinder on display. The Cyrus Cylinder is Cyrus writing in Hebrew the Declaration of Independence for the Jews. He backs up and he says, these rights every person should have. And he gave this long list. And one of them was, you have a right to freedom. You have a right to worship any God that you want. There shall be no slavery. And he sent them back to Jerusalem. And he said this, he goes, look, we're going to give you silver. We're going to give you gold. You go back and you rebuild. Do you know in the year of 1776, Thomas Jefferson, when he began to pen the Declaration of Independence and the first 10 amendments were called the Bill of Rights, that he actually refers back to the Cyrus Cylinder. That Cyrus Cylinder was written, obviously, by Cyrus the Great. Who mentored Cyrus? Daniel. How did Daniel get the favor and the ability to make that impartation from King Nebuchadnezzar? What took place to cause King Nebuchadnezzar to have favor on Daniel? A 21-day fast. Can I just tell you, if you want divine intervention, fast, push your flesh down, lift your spirit up, cry out to the Lord, allow him to get involved. Do you know the rights that you and I have today? Some of you are, you have the right to bear arms and you're bearing them right now. (laughs) You ought to thank Cyrus the Great because he was the first one to inspire any type of declaration of independence that we use today. Now, how are we going to do this from a very practical way? Us as a church family, I'd like to say that we've got a two-prong approach, a two-prong action plan. The first thing that we're going to do is we're going to do exactly what we did last fall. We're going to have a 14-day prayer intensive that's going to begin on January the 11th. What is a prayer intensive? A prayer intensive is when you pray at a level of intensity that you might not be able to sustain for 365 days, but you can for 14. And so the prayer intensive is when you commit to praying the prayer wheel. All of us pray the prayer wheel. And the prayer wheel is are these slices of topics. They're color coordinated. We're going to pass one out to you whenever you walk out today. But the very first thing you do at the 12 o'clock slice is 
praise. You praise God and then you repent. You begin to pray for personal growth, your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You pray for your friends and family. Petitions or any request that you have. A prayer request regarding anything. You pray for unsaved people the same way you would want somebody praying for you. With the same intensity, the same passion. You pray for unchurched people. There are people that don't go to church, but they're saved. They need to be in church. You begin to pray for them. You pray for the strengthening of our church because yellow is when your focus is on God. Orange is when your focus is on yourself. Green is when your focus is on Celebration Church. And red is when the focus is on the world. And you begin to pray that prayer wheel. Now we're going to do exactly what we did last year. You can go to our website, and I want to ask you, anyone who wants to participate in this 14-day prayer intensive, I want you to go to our website and click on the homepage and sign up for it. I'm going to walk you through that in just one minute. But here's the thing. Anyone who signs up for it, you're committing to pray 30 minutes, not 29, not 27, 30. Some of you are like, whoa, 30 minutes is like more than I've ever prayed my whole life all put together. I promise you that if you pray the prayer wheel, it will fly by. You just spend a couple minutes on each individual slice. So when you go home today, if you want to participate in this, let's walk through it right now. You go to our website. Our website is woodlandcelebration.com. If you can't remember that, just Google it. It'll show up. Here's the website. It's got some ugly guy on the front. Ha <laughs> ha. You click on that. This page will show up. You pick what days do you want to pray. And so you type your name in. You type your email address in. And then you go down to the dates. And uh, we've heard your requests. Many of you gave a request that you want to be able to sign up for multiple days all at one time. And so now you can do that. So you can just click multiple days. Isn't that awesome? So multiple days. You click multiple days. If you only want to pray three or four now, what I'm saying here is if you're aiming for 14, but you're only committing to four, only sign up for four. Because anyone who signs up, you're committing for 30 minutes to pray through that prayer wheel. Now, you, once you, you click submit, your name will come up on that list. So that's the first thing that takes place. I want to challenge some of you. I know some of you are like, I can't pray 30 minutes. There's no way. I want to let you know it is so much easier than what you think when you use that prayer wheel. It is so much easier. And so then in parallel, what we do is uh, the fast. And like I said, you can go home today and sign up for it. It signs, uh, sign up for it on the website. It starts January the 11th. In parallel, we're going to have a fast. Now, prioritizing fasting food is what I'm going to ask you guys to prayerfully consider. Anything more than food is additional. Like, I'll give you an example. Some people have fasted Facebook. I'm not going to, you know, look at Facebook or uh, I'm not going to watch TV or anything like that. I want to say any of those things needs to be on top of the sacrifice for food. Okay, there's something about sacrificing food. That's why it's in the Bible. If you want to sacrifice other things, then by all means, go ahead and do that. But this is what I'd like to say. Aim to make this fast the most sacrificial fast you have ever done. Okay, so if you're new to fasting, you've never done this before, I want to give you some entry-level options, okay? The first option is customize according to what your usual diet looks like. If you love fried food, 
stop eating fried food for this 14 days. If you uh, love desserts or a particular alcoholic drink or coffee, then I want to challenge you, sacrifice one of those. That's a good entry level for a 14-day fast. The second entry level is a Daniel's fast. This is an entry level. This is for people that fasting is new to you. And what is a Daniel's fast? It's when you abstain from all foods except for fruits, nuts, and vegetables. This is an entry-level fast, okay? Now, it's not an entry-level fast if you're going to go for like three, four, five, six weeks. But on a short stint like this, this is an entry-level fast. I want to encourage you to consider that one. Now, if you're an experienced person, you've been following the Lord for a long time, you've fasted several times before, I want to ask you to consider something more sacrificial. Here's a few options. Choose only vegetables. These are just options. Notice I'm not telling you what we're going to fast. This is something I want you to pray about. You just decide on your own. Choose only vegetables. Or choose only one or two liquids. Now, if you just say, can it just be Budweiser only? <laughs> pray about it. Um, choose one or two liquids. Um, to, to partake from for 14 days. Or here's another option. Choose no food and drink only water. These are options for you. Why are we talking about this today? Because God gets involved in lives that are committed to him. The more committed we are, not the more perfect we are, the more committed we are, the more involved he'll be. I don't know about you. I don't want to work as hard as I did last year. I don't want to worry as much as I did last year. And if you want to shoot me emails and say, you shouldn't be worrying, you're the pastor. I know. I'm working on it. All right. I'm working on it. Um, I don't want to worry as much as I did last year. I don't want to have this stress that I had last year. I don't want to have the burden I had last year. But... I want to be more productive than I was last year at the same time. More work doesn't equal more production. Because some of us in this room, we worked our fingers to the bone. But we want more production with less work. And the only way that can happen is more commitment and more involvement. We got to push our flesh down. We got to lift our spirit up. Remember what my job here is. My job is not to come up here and express my opinion. I am not Dr. Phil. I do not have life principles for you. The only thing that I do is I open up this Bible and I say, hey, this is what's in it. Let's live it. And let's see what happens. Let me just tell you, I'm anointed and I'm gifted to share it. But I got to live it just like everybody else. When I walk out those doors, I got to fight this just like everybody else. Just like everybody else. The more I let my flesh think what it wants to think, feel what it wants to feel, I want to pray less. The more I tell my flesh to shut up, I want to pray more. It's the same thing. We all have the same process. And what I'm asking you to do is for the next few days to prayerfully consider that on January the 11th, starting on that Monday, that 14 days, you probably can't pull it off for 165 days, but we can do anything for 14. Can someone say amen to that? 